0: Welcome to the Seemland podcast. My name is Seam Lund, and today we have a live Q and A with Dr. James DeNicola Antonio. In this episode, we talk about minerals, electrolytes, and our new book, The Mineral Fix. You can get The Mineral Fix from Amazon. All right, James, uh, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, Seem. Yeah, it's uh, glad to talk with you again, and yeah, we should we definitely should do like a follow up stream or a Q and A about um, the minerals, like people have been. Um, Reading the book, and uh, we got, got a lot of uh, positive feedback from that. Uh, but there's also like a lot of still like uh, some questions uh, left left in the air, so we can just address address them in this uh, shorter live stream today. Yeah, let's do it. Sounds good. And uh, I did p- p- take some questions from my Instagram as well, uh, from people, and uh, yeah, we'll start with those. And afterwards, you can just start asking your questions in the chat. Uh, so the first question is going to be, um, you know animal foods what what are, what would be some animal foods high in magnesium and uh, you can't eat salmon so what would be like some alternatives to that
1: okay well yeah that's funny that's mo- mostly animal foods that are high in magnesium are typically fish um the problem is is that overfishing is really um a tremendous damage to earth so essentially when you kill the fish um you know, you're taking away the phytoplankton, which actually gives us 85% of our oxygen on earth, most people kind of look at it as rainforests. Um, but it's really the health of our oceans. And so I'm starting to eat a lot less fish. I mean, if you're going to eat a fish, salmon probably is better than like eating tuna, or, you know, because the bycatch, you know, when you go and eat fish, and you're killing all the sharks and, and you know, turtles and all that stuff, it's just so damaging. So right. You know, it's it's it is it's hard to get magnesium on an animal-based diet, which is why I supplement the diet with mineral waters, because I don't think you can get an optimal amount eating just purely animal foods. Um, I'm trying to think of besides fish, what else, what other animal foods yeah. have magnesium? What comes to mind for you, C? Yeah,
0: like li- liver has uh, like a little bit. So um, I think three ounces of liver has like 40 to 50 milligrams of magnesium. Uh, which is you know yeah not 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 a lot uh, compared to like salmon that has a, a lot more and uh, like say pumpkin seeds which are like 150 around there so yeah like um you would be better off by maybe like taking drinking some uh, magnesium rich water uh also like you know beef and uh, chicken also have but it's even less than liver so yeah like um ideally you would want to like either take like a supplement or drink a lot of like these uh, mineral waters
1: yeah exactly
0: yeah And, yeah, like magnesium itself is, uh, again, like one of the biggest uh, kind of uh, deficiencies, um, or it's it's also very hard to get, like, uh, even the plant foods are relatively low in magnesium.
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, a lot of people don't really like the taste of plant foods. So I've kind of forced myself to try to also include things like spinach for the magnesium and the potassium and, and also the nitrates, right, to boost nitric oxide. Um, because animal animal foods are fairly low in magnesium, it's probably slightly more bioavailable. So what's interesting is kale, the, the bioavailability of magnesium from kale is about 35, 36%, which is pretty good. Spinach goes down a little bit because of the oxalates. Um, it's about 25, 26% bioavailable, but spinach has a much higher amount of magnesium compared to kale. So um, from a serving basis, spinach is, is actually a pretty good source of magnesium.
0: Mm, got you. So uh, is uh, the oxalates the biggest, uh, like these uh, phytonutrients that uh, reduce the magnesium absorption, or are there like other ones as well? Like does, does fiber in general have it, that effect?
1: Right. Yep, exactly. Fiber will reduce the absorption of magnesium um, phytates. Will also reduce the absorption of magnesium a little bit. They they primarily reduce the absorption of iron, which in some cases is good. Um, you know, we actually think that some of the potential benefits of like unrefined whole grains are actually due to the phytic acid and the phytates, which on on their own singular compounds have been shown to have anti cancer effects. Um, so there's this balance. Like if you're if you're eating in overall. Um, bioavailable nutrient diet and you add in phytic acid which can bind free iron in the body maybe that's potentially beneficial which is which is why i do um i do consume a little bit of unrefined whole grains i consume probably two slices of ezekiel bread per day for the manganese also the magnesium ezekiel bread's pretty high in magnesium too Mm. so
0: yeah yeah like uh that is maybe a bit of a misunderstanding about these phytates and phytonutrients is that they're not necessarily bad like they actually may have like a good effect and for example in the example of uh gelating iron or something others something something else then that can be better better for you uh, because you don't want to have like get yeah, too much iron or too much zinc for example you want to have them like in the kind of the optimal amounts and in balance with the other minerals
1: right so we we tend to take these stories of people who primarily are consuming grains and they have right. all these nutrient deficits and we sort of transfer and say okay we demonize those ing- those food groups then and, and really if you actually integrate a small amount of them on onto let's say an animal-based diet where you're you have a ton of nutrients that are super bioavailable it, it could actually lead to more benefits than harms
0: yeah and it's usually only the super refined uh, white flowers and those things that uh, deplete the magnesium completely so you're not going to get any magnesium from basically the white bread or the sunflower oil and these other refined oils as well. The refining is destroying most of the magnesium.
1: Right. 100%. The refinement of flour, will you'll lose at least 80% of the magnesium. And when you refine sugar, you lose 99 to 100% of the magnesium. And also, it's very difficult to get manganese on an animal-based diet unless you're consuming mussels, on a fairly consistent basis. And I I really don't like the taste of mussels. So I typically tend to just go for Ezekiel bread. Two to three slices of Ezekiel bread will actually give you the RDA for manganese, but also boosts your magnesium, selenium, and, and a couple other nutrients as well. So just, just a couple little additions of these n- plant foods um, can really boost certain minerals that are low in animal foods because animal foods don't cover everything. Um, yeah. So
0: yeah, the best example is boron, which you get exclusively from plants, which is like the cell wall of the plant. And uh, yeah, you know, boron, you don't, unless you're maybe eating like the intestines or something, (laughs) then you may, you're definitely not going to get any boron from like animal foods.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. So, um, you know, we don't really eat truly nose to tail. Most Mm -hmm. people are eating the bone marrow. Um, they're not, you know, consuming the interstitial fluids in the blood that contain nutrients. And I, I, I mean, I did, I did look at a little bit of how we would have gotten different nutrients and bone marrow does contain good amounts of chromium It actually can be very high in chromium. Okay. And so, you know, I'm not scraping bone marrow every day to get chromium. So, you know, finding different ways to get, get these minerals and nutrients is important And man, like you said, manganese is high in um, things like avocados and plums and dates and, um, or boron, excuse me. Mm-hmm. It, boron is really in the plant foods, right? Avocados, um, dates, plums, things like that. So boron's a tough one for me, I don't really eat a lot of food high in boron. So I typically supplement with a trace mineral three times a week that has boron in it. And it also has manganese and um, chromium and molybdenum and some of these other ones just to cover my basis, because my diet's not always perfect.
0: yeah. yeah. Uh, what about uh, the sourdough bread with ancient greens like that's Mm -hmm. probably like one of the healthier alternatives to like actual bread
1: yeah traditional sourdough bread um will have less typically it'll have less gluten um and you know there's a huge debate on whether gluten is bad or not and i think if you have a damaged gut gluten becomes harmful or if you consume refined grains that contain isolated gluten without the vitamin e and all these other nutrients that can actually protect um, harms from gluten then it becomes harmful because you know traditional societies have consumed bread for a long long time and they didn't seem to have any issues and all of a sudden when you have this dwarf wheat and and you're starting to use glyphosate and things in the 1950s started taking a turn on its head. And now all of a sudden we have people that are gluten intolerant or celiac disease. And that we didn't have that, you know, previous to let's say 1950. So so it can't be the gluten that's naturally contained. That's the primary driver. If it only started occurring in the mid 1900s and then s- increased from there, something had to have changed in our diet and the environment that caused gluten to be a problem.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. And uh, yeah, like, you know, even hunter gatherers, they would eat grain, these wild grains on a regular basis. And, you know, uh, there was the seasons where the game wasn't like accessible all the time, especially in like the um, you know Middle Eastern regions uh, where we can kind of originated from the Levant. And that's that sort of the Fertile Crescent Though there. You didn't have like mammoths all the time. You had like very this small game and they would, you know, die off uh, during such certain parts of the season. So they would. You know, regularly get res- or they would resort back to these grains every once in a while and after the agricultural revolution then they would start to kind of keep them into their diet on a more regular basis so yeah that's that's definitely true like the quality of the wheat and the quality of the grains is uh definitely much more important
1: yep for sure
0: good um yeah like what and the next question would be like um why do people get deficient in uh, molybdenum and uh, how to reverse it
1: yeah, no, uh, molybdenum is taxed when you consume nitrites. Uh, th- in, that's in things like wines. And um, they also add those to preser- uh, preservatives sometimes and meat and stuff like that. These nitrites, molybdenum helps us handle those types of things. And molybdenum is another, <clears throat> unless you're consuming liver, it's difficult to get, which is why they put it in a lot of those trace mineral supplements.
0: Hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think yeah, the, the uh, liver is the best uh, source of molybdenum Uh, for sure. So that will be the kind of most reliable way of, um, you know, preventing the the becoming deficient of it as well. Yep. Um, Next question is, um, is it okay to drink water purified by reverse osmosis?
1: I think it's fine. Um, I think it's missing the larger picture though, in the fact that you're going to consume two to three liters of water per day, might as well make the best of it and might as well utilize uh, this non caloric source for boosting your overall mineral intake. So a lot of people focus on purifying dead water, essentially, and that that shouldn't be the goal, the goal should be how do I use this liquid to get in nutrients that are missing from my diet. And it comes back to finding waters that are high in calcium and magnesium, which is typically low on an animal based diet, I do think most people will benefit in from an animal-based diet. So if that's the, let's say optimal diet, then we should be utilizing water to get the two nutrients that tend to be missing in animal foods, which is calcium and magnesium. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like the mineral waters are yeah, like zero calorie minerals and, uh, yeah, the waters themselves can be good for like, you know, blood sugar regulation and, uh, the research finds that it helps with like chronic pain and osteoarthritis and uh, all these similar you know issues that result from um, mineral deficiencies uh, so yeah like an easy the best thing about it is that you absorb more of it uh, from the water and you do from actual food so i think the mineral water is actually even better than uh, you know animal foods in terms of the uh, absorption of the uh, minerals that you get from there
1: right and your typical Animal-based diet is going to be is going to produce about 150 equivalents of acid. If you're strictly carnivorous, that'll probably bump up to about 200. And then if you start adding eggs to, you know, uh, two two and a half pounds of meat a day, you're going to get up to 250 equivalents of acid. The goal is to not excrete any acid. That's the goal because when your kidneys excrete acid. You're producing, you know, ammonia, which is damaging to the kidneys, and you have to excrete minerals like magnesium, mm-hmm. calcium, potassium. So the mineral water is another great way to get bicarbonate. So if you can also grab mineral waters that are that contain bicarbonate, you're getting a dual benefit of getting those minerals and also inhibiting the acid
0: from your animal-based diet. Right. Yeah, yeah, the bicar- bicarbonate. Uh, like what would be like you do get from uh, fruits and vegetables uh, bicarbonate but uh, I think the waters tend to be the highest source of uh, bicarbonate if you have like a something like Carol that is uh, pretty high in uh, bicarbonate
1: yeah yep so so getting it through waters you're actually ingesting bicarbonate directly whereas fruits and vegetables you're getting it from precursors like citrate which is in fruits malate um, which is in vegetables um, you can also get it from gluconate as well so there's so there's, there's these precursors that you consume in vegetables and fruits that'll give that'll get converted to bicarbonate or you can just straight take up bicarbonate through mineral waters that naturally contain it mm. and typically so 2 liters of Gerald Steiner water will inhibit about 50 milli equivalents of acid so if you're on an animal based diet you're con- you're you're producing 150 the goal is to produce none two liters of Steiner only gets you knocks it down to 100 milliequivalents of acid. That's still a tremendous acid load. So that's why I try to integrate things like um, lightly cooked potatoes, which are very alkaline, spinach, uh, green bananas, I try to integrate that. And that's also boosting your potassium intake as well. So that allows me to handle more salt too. Hmm. So trying to integrate just a few just, you know, one or two green bananas is great for inhibiting the acid from your animal-based diet but also boosting your potassium b6 and a couple other minerals too
0: yeah yeah and uh even like um like you can get quite a lot of potassium from like potatoes even um like up to 500 to 1000 milligrams per from like a single potato and uh, it's pretty much easier to cover that uh, potassium intake um with uh something like that compared to you know you do get some uh, potassium from like um animal foods as well but it's uh, relatively small compared to you know the fruits and vegetables
1: yeah exactly one one medium potato typically is going to give you a full gram of potassium and this is what's interesting right is that it's not just about how much potassium you consume it's also about what type of environment you're creating in your body so for example an animal based diet if you're if you're really producing 150 to 200 milliequivalents of acid That will cause potassium. You you can actually lose potassium from the body because what ends up happening is during the first couple weeks of acidosis, this is just low grade, um, potassium will leave the cell and you will lose it. And and the the balance studies show that acidosis produced either through the diet or through consuming ammonium chloride will cause a negative potassium balance. And so, if you're creating an acidic state in the body, it's not just like, okay, well, meat has a lot of potassium. Well, that's great. But if it's forcing the potassium out of the cell, then you're becoming intracellularly depleted in it. So Hmm. there's this, there's, there's both a, does this diet produce a certain state in the body that's causing me to lose minerals? And then also, okay, is this bioavailable, you know, this diet bioavailable in the nutrient?
0: Right? Yeah um would like how does like salt uh, affect that the potassium balance because they do work uh, together so like would like a higher salt intake like i don't know make you preserve more of the potassium or or something it's so it's there's this interesting
1: balance between uh, salt and potassium the primary thing we need to understand is that if you're just a little bit deficient in potassium you start over retaining sodium And so really get potassium good, and then you can handle salt very well. As soon as you dip just a little bit below an adequate intake of potassium uh, or an adequate state of potassium in the body, sodium starts to become a problem. Um, So, and, and potassium is controlled primarily by two things, primarily by salt and magnesium. So magnesium controls potassium in the cell. If you're deficient in magnesium, that can lead to potassium deficiency. And then salt controls magnesium, which ultimately controls potassium as well. Because when you're deficient in salt, you pull, you start pulling magnesium from the bone. And that can lead to both magnesium and potassium deficiency. And calcium, you start pulling from the bone as well. So it's this balance. It's like, you know, you need to get good amounts of salt. But if you're not getting good amounts of potassium, then you're not able to handle salt well. And that's kind of like what we cover in our book, right? Seam is like, if you don't get enough magnesium, you become calcium overloaded. If you don't yeah. get enough, right. Um, copper, you become iron overloaded. So like, it's a really interesting story about the whole mineral balance too.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, uh, that is how the, m- most of the minerals tend to work. Yeah, and, uh, some, too much of something can be like problematic in absorbing the other mineral, or uh, yeah, like the other make one makes excrete the other one, etc. So <laughs> it, it can uh, be like a lot of times can be like overwhelming for a lot of people to know, like, okay, what do we actually need to do? <laughs> but, uh, like, let's say, in, in a whole foods context, uh, a lot of times just uh, eating these whole foods that have these minerals kind of maintains this uh, delicate balance at least uh, within an uh, optimal range, and uh, it only goes out of balance if you are, let's say, suffering from some sort of chronic disease or you're having uh, like a supplement that is pushing the kind of intake of one mineral out of out of the range and something like that so like these unnatural situations uh, where the problems tend to come from and a lot of times you just need to if you're healthy and you're are you know at a you know, reasonable intake of whole foods then um, you can just uh, yeah, stick to these these foods that have like a particular mineral and uh, stay stay in the optimal range
1: right and and People can sort of pick and choose how they want to do this. We laid out in the book, you know, the highest food sources of all these minerals. So it's sort of like, you know, however you want to skin the cat, you know, is how you can do this, but through, through foods it is always best if you can, because taking high doses of supplements just once or twice can overload the system. It's always better to consume lower doses of minerals more frequently. You just get better bioavailability, less side effects.
0: Yeah. Uh, On that note, like, uh, would you ever recommend taking like a potassium supplement?
1: So I will sometimes include potassium citrate um, if I don't consume enough plant foods and I want to boost my potassium intake as well as my um, formation of bicarbonate. I'll maybe consume three grams of potassium citrate at most twice a day. Um, And I'll also add sodium citrate as well. if I don't get enough plant foods for the day to mm-hmm. offset the acid
0: right um, yeah, you yeah, like ideally you would get the potassium from whole foods, but yeah, like it's quite difficult uh, for people you know who are used to maybe eating like processed foods or something and they don't get access to like too, man, too too many fruits and vegetables uh, yeah. but how, how much one, one question was also that how much potassium could you handle in like one sitting? <laughs> Yeah,
1: the most I'll, I'll ever do is one gram of potassium, which comes from three grams of potassium citrate. When you start going above consuming one gram of potassium in a single sitting, that's where you can get into problems. Mm. And it depends on kidney function, too. If you have poor kidney function, then you got to be really careful with how much potassium you ingest from a, especially from a supplement.
0: Yeah. Uh, but like from whole foods uh if you're eating like a ton of like bananas or something <laughs> or a ton of potatoes uh what would be like the upper thresholds uh, for potassium
1: from from i mean the studies show that if you're a healthy person even eating up to 20 grams of potassium through the diet doesn't seem to be an issue
0: yeah yeah like even the hunter you know hunter gatherers they at least the studies show that they eat eat, eat around like uh, 10 grams or something and uh yeah like it will be like have to be consuming yeah like several 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 times above the rda to have like some sort of a negative effect i think and it's kind of relatively safe for most people right all right uh about the uh, the uh, reverse osmosis or is it like how, how would you like remineralize the uh, water after it's gone through the reverse osmosis
1: some people will add uh, mineral drops there's different companies that have these uh, trace minerals in a liquid form and you, they'll tell you you can add like two drops to eight ounces of water some people do that um i like to just consume gerald water because it naturally contains bicarbonate there are other waters though too that have um good amounts of magnesium calcium bicarbonate so we we have a whole list in the book
0: yeah yeah i mean and it's not like nothing wrong about uh, drinking just this purified water uh, as long as you're you know still uh, compensating for it afterwards by either like eating more of certain minerals or like adding salt into your uh, other waters or something so you don't have to drink like this salty water if you don't like it uh, you can still right. stay healthy and still get your uh, vitamins and minerals but it's just that like, if you're only drinking this uh, purified water uh, then uh, you may run run into some issues because of like excreting those minerals and if you don't have like a good diet as well then uh, you're eventually going to lead you're going to find yourself in like this negative loss of these certain minerals. Yeah, I agree. Um, Right. Uh, What would be some, what would be some of the uh, most likely needed uh, minerals that you need to kind of supplement to achieve an optimal intake that you, you know, it's very hard to get from a food.
1: Most, Most people will probably are lacking in boron, manganese, magnesium, calcium, um, depending on their diet, potassium as well. And, and copper too is difficult unless you're consuming liver. So you can do okay. How I typically build the diet, if you build your diet this way, you're gonna be able to cover most of your minerals. You start with 12 ounces of, of pastured red meat that covers your B12, zinc, iron, and, and protein for most people. And then you start adding organs to that. Um, liver, especially half ounce of liver per day, you're gonna cover fully vitamin A, and copper. And then um, either mussels for, ma- for manganese or unrefined whole grains for, for manganese or a supplement. And then the waters, magnesium and calcium will be supplemented through the water. Uh, and then certain plant foods like uh, either bananas, potatoes, spinach will help you with the potassium and also help you inhibit the acid load of the, of the animal-based diet.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. going to get
1: you pretty close to almost everything. I mean, you're not, you're still going to be lacking boron unless you're consuming avocados and dates and, and raisins. But a lot of people don't want to consume the sugar from the dates and the raisins, which is um, why I do take a trace mineral supplement three times, typically three times a week, maybe twice a week, because it has the boron.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good, good kind of basis. I do agree. And um, like for boron, you could also eat like a few... Both these uh, beans and legumes or these dried prunes that tend to be like lower in sugar than uh, dates so they mm. would be a good uh, source for that and like one one thing that they would add into the list is uh, chromium so uh you know chromium we get pr- primarily from you know uh, mussels and oysters and seafood as well as like broccoli or oatmeal a little bit but uh yeah like most people rarely eat mussels <laughs> and like i said and you don't really like the taste either so you know uh Uh, that for chromium it's good to maybe like take a supplement if you have like this uh insulin resistance or diabetes because uh you already add a higher demand for chromium and uh, taking a supplement can help with that so like whenever like what i do is like whenever i have like a high carb meal or something then i may take like a chromium supplement as well uh to kind of help Mm -hmm. help with the kind of insulin production and the blood sugar regulation
1: yeah that's i do take a chromium supplement probably three times a week as well uh, especially because i go into the sauna um, and you lose about seven, seven and a half micrograms of chromium through the body. Which, since chromium's bioavailability through the diet or supplement is so low at one percent, if you lose seven micrograms, you have to ingest seven hundred to replace the loss. And so, typically, I do consume uh, six hundred micrograms of chromium uh, after a sauna session, or um, you know, after a, an intense exercise session where I was sweating uh, pretty rigorously. And like you said, too, if you eat a carb meal, you are going to need more chromium. So that is a great time as well to take some additional chromium.
0: Yeah. Uh, and magnesium is maybe something as a supplement, like most people probably need, even, even if it's, even if they're not like deficient in it, they can still use it to maybe like sleep better or uh, relax or something because uh, yeah, like the threshold for magnesium is also quite high before it becomes like harmful.
1: Yeah, I mean, we used to consume in the early 1900s, 500 milligrams of magnesium per day. That dropped to 250 by the late 70s and 80s, just because the food is now more depleted and so much more processed. So yeah, most people do need an extra two to 300 milligrams of magnesium to get back to where we used to consume it.
0: Yeah. Uh, Okay, let's take a question. Like fresh versus uh, dried herbs, can can they be used like as a mineral supplementation to get something?
1: Uh, herbs typically are not super high in minerals. Um, I know we sometimes we've talked about um, shila Jet, which is a little bit different than a, an herb. It's like this plant matter, like from also mixing with like volcanic sub like substances, and it, yeah. it, it can be fairly high in minerals as well some people use that as a mineral, mm. additional mineral intake.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that the, uh, the herbs like rosemary and things, they don't have like a bunch of minerals, maybe like some vitamins. Um, right. But mostly, mostly you get like this very high concentration of these polyphenols and uh, these other phytonutrients in there. And uh, that can be useful for uh, for some cases, but even then you would have to like consume a whole lot of it, like uh, maybe several tablespoons or something to get like a sufficient amount of an effect uh, in terms of the uh, nutritional response. So yeah, like what I would just use it was to kind of season your food with. And uh, like rosemary is great for cooking because it protects against the oxidation and uh, reduces the carcinogens and so yeah i would much rather (laughs) try to use them only as like these uh seasoning and condiments rather than actually use it as something to eat or a supplement with
1: right and and there's just what's not talked about a lot too is the difference between um fresh produce and fresh meat compared to you know the typical meat that you consume that's been sitting in the supermarket for well it's it's hung for at least two weeks And then, you know, by the time you eat it, it's maybe been three weeks since the animal was actually killed. Mm. Um, You know, typically uh, living naturally, you would have always consumed some fresh meat, which would have been much higher in vitamin C. Um, You would have, you would have hunted the animal and stressed the animal to produce more vitamin C. Mm. Um, And you do lose some nutrients um, when you're not consuming fresh. So if you can kind of consume as fresh as possible, that does make a little bit of a difference too.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's super interesting that you mentioned that the uh, you get vitamin C if you hunt the animal, basically, because the animal starts to produce the vitamin C. So that makes also sense that, you know, even even ancestr- ancestral ancestry, the hunter gatherers would get like a higher amounts of vitamin C from the kind of fresh kill and the fresh animal would also have like the blood still in there. So they would get some additional minerals from the blood as well. So, yeah, that is, that is a pretty interesting uh, kind of idea.
1: Yeah, there's never been like a, a that I know of a test comparing if you've hunted an animal persistent hunt an animal for like, let's say an hour or two and stress mm-hmm. it out, which, you know, there are studies showing that if you exercise an animal, they produce about three times more vitamin C. And if an, an animal is stressed or sick, they can produce up to 10 times more vitamin C. Um, there's never been like a direct comparison of like, how much vitamin C is like in, in the liver or in organs or in the blood in an animal that has been stressed and hunted versus like, you know, meat that's been hung for two weeks and then set to the shelf for another week.
0: Hmm. Yeah. But, but do you lose like a substantial amount if you have like a dried or this aged kind of a meat, even if it's like, let's say, even if it's like frozen, you freeze the meat for like a few months or something, uh, half a year at maximum, like how, mo- how much of a difference would it be versus, you know, a fresh uh, kill? I, so I think we have some studies on vitamins,
1: but in, in definitely there's a good amount of like loss uh, for vitamins, especially in plants. If they just like let's say you buy potatoes and you just let them sit for like weeks and weeks, there's definitely a reduction in vitamins. Whether there's a reduction in minerals at that point, I'm not sure. Um, but vitamin C is more of uh, something that, yes, that does happen. You do start losing it the less fresh that it is. Hmm. So, I, I mean, it, I, I have to believe that if we had consumed fresh meat, it would have been much higher in vitamin C compared to, you know, supermarket
0: right. meat. Yeah, yeah, I, I, would, I would think so as well. And the same applies to like potassium, probably like the, uh, you lose potassium if it sits around for too long, and if you dry it up, then also you kind of tends to lose it.
1: Right. And the, and the other thing too is when, when animals die, right, um, the, you start breaking down and releasing the free iron and the free iron starts oxidizing the proteins and the fats in the meat. And then when you freeze meat, you do start oxidizing it as well. So it is important to sort of offset the oxidation. So I do try to consume some type of um, whether it's uh, plant powders or polyphenols or herbs or spices or vinegars Alongside cooked animal foods,
0: yeah, it's almost almost yeah. Like from a physiological perspective or this mineral balance perspective, uh, it does kind of make sense to kind of uh, couple these uh, animal foods with some plants uh, because of Mm -hmm. the reasons that we talked already, like the acidity, the uh, iron overloads, the uh, the carcinogens, all those things. So kind of complements them, complements each other uh, quite nicely, I think. Yeah. All right, another question is, uh, do you think that uh, vitamin D at doses like 5,000 IUs could uh, deplete copper?
1: Uh, it could it, it could potentially deplete copper from a com- competition with vitamin A, and vitamin A is needed to move copper around the body. So that that's how I can see it potentially uh, in, in reducing copper, is through the reduction in your body's ability to transport it just like not getting enough copper can lead to iron deficiency because copper is needed to move iron around the body. So vitamin D uh, not only will compete with the absorption of vitamin A, but will typically increases your need for numerous vitamins and minerals because it activates so many genes that start producing proteins that require these nutrients to work so then the minerals start going to these additional proteins that you've created and now they were pulled from from a different spot so so now it's sort of increased your need for those nutrients so that's why i, I don't like just taking high doses of vitamin d unless i have vitamin k magnesium calcium all these other nutrients optimized as well
0: yeah yeah that's uh, good good to know uh, usually the biggest thing that uh, tends to deplete copper is a zinc. So too much zinc uh, from like muscle meat or oysters or something, unless you're eating uh, liver with that or these organ meats next to that, then you may right. uh, promote uh, this uh, copper depletion. Right. Yep. Uh, another question is uh, any idea why cream of tartar could cause heart palpitations on a carnivore diet?
1: I wonder if it's just like a food intolerance for that person. Right. i'm not sure if there's anything actually in there that would that you know would link to that
0: i think i think usually people take the cream of tartar for like potassium so maybe it has to do with something that
1: hmm. yeah i don't know
0: yeah well depends on what, why you're taking it as well like uh, do you need to take it and uh do you feel better without it so right and i think there are also like healthier alternatives than, uh, than cream of tartar like the ones that I mentioned already <laughs> and right. like the same like you know uh, baking soda, like you could get, you could try to get uh, sodium from baking soda, but you know, it's uh, kind of harmful <laughs> to you in general.
1: Yeah, too much um, uh, baking soda all at once can inhibit the, the acid in the stomach and reduce that. Well, that this is another thing we didn't really touch on as well is that if it's not just about how much nutrients you consume, it's about what you absorb, and your production of acid over time goes down. And on a low salt diet, you do produce less acid. So it's all about maintaining a good amount of acid in the stomach so you can digest the food and absorb the minerals and nutrients that, that are needed.
0: Hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so in that sense, uh, sometimes I've having, becoming too alkaline is also like not good because of the same reason that like you lower the stomach acidity and uh, like reduce the absorption of nutrients and uh, things like that.
1: Yeah, taking too much bicarbonates. It doesn't really happen with waters, but as a supplement, it can be an issue, which is why if I am supplementing in addition to my bicarbonate water, I, I pick citrate. I pick sodium and potassium citrate because that won't affect the pH of the stomach. And I can dose myself with um, fairly large doses of citrate without messing up my stomach acid. Hmm.
0: Uh, next question is, um, what, are, what is your take on the calcium phosphate ratio for suppressing parathyroid hormone?
1: Mm. Yeah. Well, you don't want to. Most people are getting too too much calcium and phosphate because they're consuming foods that are fortified in both, which is a problem. So we get plenty typically phosphate on an animal based diet. It's the calcium that's typically lacking, and so most people's calcium phosphate is like this, and, and they need to they need to boost the calcium, and and they can keep the phosphate the same, and. Uh, and at that same token their magnesium is low as mm. well so I think um, dropping the processed meats is going to really help because they will have inorganic phosphates as preservatives in there and so eating more fresh meat is going to help your calcium to phosphorus ratio just by switching over to healthy natural meat
0: yeah and I also think that you you, you can uh, increase the calcium from um, you know Like things like, you know, sardine bones uh, or uh, even like, you know, the bone broth bones or all those uh, tendons and ligaments, they have more calcium and less of the um, phosphate. So, yeah, you get phosphate or phosphorus mostly from, you know, muscle meat again. So if you're eating, let's say, too much uh, muscle meat, then that can be a problem. And uh, likewise, magnesium, magnesium, like the phosphorus reduces magnesium absorption as well. So kind of uh, up your magnesium intake a little bit maybe as well.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, do you support the food sensitivities testing, and is it worth it?
1: I've never personally um tried it, so I can't really speak to it on like a real world basis. Um, if it worked for you, great you know because I think there's are like some some people do have food intolerances like no no question about it and you know obviously peanuts are are a big one, but what's interesting is like um, you can develop these nut allergies over time. Like if you overconsume them, some of them, like particularly walnuts, um, you can develop like these aller these food intolerances. So I think you just need to kind of like, if, if you eat a food and you don't feel good, that's your, it's telling your body something, and maybe you should not keep eating it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times uh, these tests may be inaccurate because of like, you may also like register that you are allergic to a particular food because of eating it too often like if you eat a lot of eggs then uh, the test may tell you that you're allergic to eggs but you feel fine and you don't have any symptoms so uh, you know that that's kind of something to keep in mind that these tests may not be accurate and even if you do you know come you know, the res- results tell you that you're allergic to something but you don't have like any symptoms then um, you know arguably you don't really need to remove it or uh, something you just have to kind of pay more attention and see how you respond exactly um, if I take magnesium, uh, do I need to eat it with fat for it to absorb?
1: That's this is so funny. Cause I was honestly just about to cover, cover this topic. Um, so fat can bind magnesium and reduce its absorption. And what's interesting is if you have high amounts of non-esterified fatty acids, um, which, you can that you can know that if you have high triglycerides um, these free fatty acids are negatively charged and actually bind magnesium and lead to depletion of magnesium in the blood serum so right. they did a study they did this fat loading study they gave um, overweight young adults about 100 grams of fat through cream they just consumed cream and it, it dropped their serum magnesium to a deficient level because the the fatty acids that increased in the blood five, six hours later, it bound all the magnesium and dropped the serum magnesium. And and this happens after a heart attack too. You have this tremendous release of um, non-esterified free fatty acids after a heart attack or any stressful situation can lead to an increase in these free fatty acids because noradrenaline will cause lipolysis and push out all these free fatty acids. So prolonged fasting for example can mm. do this as well um two days of fasting you have so much lipolysis and all these free fatty acids in the blood it'll actually the negatively charged free fatty acids will bind the magnesium and deplete it in the blood um so you do what the, the point is is you have to be careful to not consume a lot of fat bombs because that can potentially lead to elevations in free fatty acids and bind your serum magnesium
0: mm. wow that's super interesting and uh, yeah, i didn't know that uh So yeah, too much fat basically is gonna re- reduce the absorption of the magnesium, basically, and uh, make you excrete it. So if you do take a magnesium supplement, then maybe like taking it while fasting, uh, or in a, like in a fasted state, or with uh, like a low-fat meal would be better.
1: Yeah, I think. I mean, the study was a pretty tremendous amount of fat, right? 100 grams of fat is a lot. So I don't want to say like um you know consuming 20 grams of fat would lead to the same thing. The the, the goal is to not significantly boost the the free fatty acid level in the blood now whether that would happen that same drop in magnesium in a non-obese person like on a like Mm. in a a, you know who's on a ketogenic diet for weeks maybe not maybe there isn't that large increase in free fatty acids and binding of magnesium because this wasn't an overweight population with 100 grams of fat so i think we do need more tests on what a high fat ketogenic diet in someone who is doing it the right way if they consume a a large fat bomb would that drop serum magnesium i don't know
0: Hmm. yeah yeah because uh if you are let's say metabolically healthy and uh, you're burning fat as in in ketosis then uh, your triglycerides tend to be low uh, because you're burning them off for energy whereas if you're diabetic or insulin resistant then your triglycerides stay high because your body isn't burning them for energy so yeah there may be some difference there but in any case like if you want to be safe then yeah just uh, have it with like a lighter meal uh or like on an empty stomach
1: yeah. I mean, right. And, and then, and the key here is that if you have high triglycerides, that's a big indication that you're binding up a lot of your serum magnesium.
0: Hmm. So it's so a cause and effect the uh, same root, root cause effect or the vicious, vicious cycle.
1: <laughs> yep.
0: Well, that's, that's really interesting. Um, next question is, uh, can, can mineral imbalances and deficiencies impede the liver's function to get rid of toxins?
1: Absolutely. Every single function in the body is dependent on minerals in one form or another. So I know I always say this to you, but magnesium is required for the synthesis of protein, DNA, and ATP. And not a single function in the body will work without that, including detoxification, phase one, phase two enzymes. So every system will suffer in one way or another, whether it be directly or indirectly through mineral deficiencies, because they... They run everything. They're they're like yeah. the um our, our, like if we're biological humans, right? If we're like these biological computers humans, um our tech runs on minerals, mm. not only because they require the enzymes to function, but through indirect mechanisms of producing protein and producing ATP and actually activating ATP.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 very really true, and uh, all these uh, antioxidant defense systems, like glutathione, they need minerals. You need like sulfur and uh, magnesium for that. So uh, yeah, you do need basically, and like, maybe the biggest ones for detoxification tend to be the uh, molybdenum, uh, as well as like selenium, uh, uh, sulfur, those things uh, that govern these antioxidant defenses as well. Yeah. Yep. True do you drink your mineral water from plastic plastic bottles if not towel
1: no i use a glass <laughs> bottle yeah
0: it's a generally yeah. better option for sure yeah is uh, is butcher box a source of good meat
1: but I, i've never i don't I, I think i've had butcher box once i i believe they are grass-fed meats um whether, whether these animals are from a area that is low in contamination, whether their organs are low in contamination, no one really knows. Um, like I've had, I've had conversations with carnivore, with um, Paul Saladino, carnivore MD, about how kidneys can become contaminated in cadmium, how, how liver can um, have an increase in dioxins, um, and so you do want to make sure you're sourcing from, you know, a quality area, a non-polluted area, because that's ultimately going to determine the health of the organs and the meat that you're consuming.
0: Mm, yeah, yeah, that, that applies to everything, like right. every other company as well. Exactly, yes. <laughs> I do recommend digestive enzymes as we age uh, to help absorb the nutrients from the food.
1: uh yes and no i think if you do have a problem with digesting foods and you can't seem to figure out why you know maybe maybe that approach just throwing digestive enzymes at the problem may lead to some benefit it's always good to find the root cause right are you depleted in salts and that's why you're not producing enough stomach acid do you have damage to the cells that secrete acid for some reason mm. um you know what i mean it's it's like right. always try to figure out the root cause first but it because it's so because sometimes you never are going to be able to, um, maybe that approach is just the best yeah. for some people.
0: Yeah, like depends on your age as well. So uh, there is like inevitable drop in your digestive uh, capacity as you get older, and um, I would imagine that you know in your maybe seventies or eighties, uh, you, you, like you would maybe you would you, like everyone or. Yeah, people who have digestive problems, they may benefit from digestive enzymes or taking a stomach acid supplement, HCL. So, um, yeah, like I don't, I don't think it like works as a, like this a negative feedback group that you start taking it and then your body, your own body starts or stops producing those enzymes. If, right. I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken, because you can, you can always stop taking it and if you're still healthy, uh, then your body should kind of resume the production. So, if, but if you're still deficient and you're not producing in, then uh, taking the supplement is still better than uh, not producing those enzymes.
1: Yeah, that makes logical sense to me
0: too. Okay. Um, can stocks or bone broth help heal the gut and improve mineral absorption? Chicken or beef, which is best? Uh,
1: okay, so improve, improve mineral absorption. Can bone broths. Uh,
0: what about well, the minerals? Like, do you get any minerals out from the bone broth? It,
1: it completely depends on what is the source of your bone broth. So if it's bones, um, the only potential mineral that you may get in somewhat clinically significant amounts would be calcium, uh, because it's difficult to pull minerals from bones. Um, and that type of bone broth will also be very, very low in collagen, but you don't really get a lot of collagen by extracting, trying to extract it from bones. It, you need to use collagenous meats to create true collagen bone broth so that would be like drumsticks right um turkey necks if you want to create and, and you can see this if you if you set your um let's say bone broth in the f- refrigerator you'll see there's just a tiny little skim of, of gelatin at the top yeah. you create a collagenous bone broth 70 percent of it will be just gelatinous uh, after the next day in the fridge so you can test it that's a good test to see if it contains a lot of collagen to heal the gut to help maybe you
0: absorb better minerals mm, yeah yeah if, if you have like a better gut and um, less of these malabsorption conditions then yeah you would absorb more of the minerals for sure yeah and like, would adding like vinegar help to break down the bones uh, further and uh, like reduce, break down the uh, or like release the minerals more?
1: It does. It does. Um, it takes a while. You, you typically want a bone broth going for 24 hours in vinegar, and that'll help get get more calcium. But magnesium and the other minerals are going to be very very low.
0: Right. Um, We'll have another question about omega-3s. Can you counter all the problems of omega-6 by eating enough omega-3, or is it, or is too much omega-6 problematic regardless of how much omega-3 you get?
1: That's a loaded question. Um, There is, there is a balance that, you know, more omega-3 will reduce, let's say, um, you know, over producing, you know, some harmful substances from omega six, they do compete for the same enzyme. So yes, but then also, at a certain point, no, um, especially if it's coming from seed oils. And, you know, the primary goal, drop the seed oils, the refined seed oils get omega six strictly from a uh, real food and care- careful of nut butters, right? I mean, when I basically took out peanut butter from my diet, like, my health was much better. Inflammation was less. Um, fat loss was better because it's very easy to overconsume those nut butters. So I would just be careful of, even though that's considered like a whole food source, um, there are some sources that it's just, you're giving you too much
0: omega-6. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like just, just avoid the high omega-6 foods or like the, the most biggest ones, like the weights of oils and seeds. And if you do get like small amounts of omega-6 from like nuts or Uh, even like eggs or uh, like some meat have more omega-6 then that's not really a a huge concern as long as you're eating some omega-3s as well kind of balance it
1: yeah i mean if you look at um the fat composition the omega-6 fat composition of wild animals it's much higher in omega-6 than even (laughs) grass-fed because real vegetation is high in omega-6 so um we shouldn't just demonize omega six is the point and and that fat also has more omega three to it and i've I've started sort of thinking that maybe we don't need as much seafood for omega-3s because um, wild meats and pastured meats have an omega-3 called dpa they're actually pretty high in dpa which 30 percent of that actually gets converted to dha so Mm -hmm. we used to think of pastured meat as a terrible source of omega-3s um but when you actually take into account the conversion of dpa to dha it's actually a pretty good source of dha
0: <laughs> well that's good to hear yeah <laughs> yeah uh yeah like who, does does mineral fix have information uh, regarding uh which uh which type of mineral supplements are better absorbed than the other ones
1: yeah we do we do cover um how key chelated minerals typically are better absorbed There's two ways to absorb magnesium. Paracellularly, which is between the cells, which requires ionic dissolved soluble magnesium, which is mineral waters. And then the other, transcellular, getting it across the cell, um, requires binding to an amino acid like glycine, for example. And then once you get the magnesium into the body, ionized magnesium is great because it's already functional. With a chelated magnesium, you have to dissociate that from uh from solution in solution and to get it to an ionic form uh to, for it to actually work so i think uh co- combining both an ionic form of magnesium plus a chelated if you're really deficient is probably the best way to go because you're
0: hitting both ways of absorption mm, yeah and the book does uh, cover in all the chapters about usually uh, like what is the best uh, supplement form for this particular mineral and uh, yeah like what of what are the other things that you need to keep in mind when you are supplementing because yeah like i said taking a supplement can be problematic because of boosting uh, the amount of one particular mineral and kind of leading to an imbalance and causing some other downstream issues so yeah Uh, all right let's uh, start picking the last question Uh, uh, do you think uh, consuming salmon roe will be worth it compared to a fish like sardines or anchovies
1: So, so, okay. Um, Well, it depends what you're, you're looking for. So salmon roe is going to have the um, astaxanthin and it's going to have more of what's called a a brain bioavailable DHA. So the particular form of DHA is bound to lysophosphatidylcholine in the salmon egg, which there's a direct transporter that can give it access to the brain. So... It's if you're looking for brain bioavailable DHA, then you you can't replace salmon roe with, let's say, sardines. It's just Hmm. not how it works. Yeah. So I guess it just depends on what you're looking for.
0: Yeah. You know, idea there, if you can have, then you can eat both. Uh, But the sardines have like the calcium that you get from the bones and uh, like anchovies could also have that. So, yeah, maybe like head to head. The uh, brain boosting benefits you get more from the salmon row, but you get you do get like the some DHA and omega 3s from the sardines as well, but you get the calcium as well. So maybe you know, uh, head to head, the sardines would be better. But if you were to you know to directly optimize the brain function, then the salmon row is better,
1: yeah. And I mean, plus salmon row is so expensive, right. um, <laughs> it's it's
0: uh, it's a conundrum, yeah, right. Well, uh, yeah, it was uh great it was great talking with you and uh, thanks for coming to the live stream uh, you can everyone can just check out uh, the mineral fix uh, from amazon and yeah it's uh still i think uh, one of the kind of best books about the minerals uh, out there
1: yeah i think um I'm, I'm really happy with how the book turned out and it's really there really isn't a book out there like it in regards to covering 22 minerals and how in-depth we did so i think that once people actually finish the book it's it's a great resource to continue. You can keep going back to it and learning just these great golden nuggets of information.
0: Hmm, yeah. Well. Yeah, like I said, thanks for coming to the show, and uh, yeah, let's uh, let's uh, see each other around. <laughs> All right. Sounds good, team. Take care.